1: I'm excited about
0: this. That's quite high pressure, being that you are (laughs) such a prolific (laughs) podcaster yourself. Hello and welcome to another episode of But Why, the podcast that's all about digging into big questions and tricky topics via honest conversation. This week we're going to be looking at disconnection with the lovely and wonderful, and someone I haven't seen for a long time, in fact, not that this is seeing, but it is kind of, I haven't physically been in a room with you now for really a couple of years, which is crazy, but with Emma Gannon, who is a Sunday Times bestselling author, speaker, novelist, and host of the number one creative careers podcast in the UK, which has had 10 million downloads, 10 million, that's so many, isn't it? And this might not even be up to date, That's kind of quite baffling. She's written features for Harper's Bazaar, The Financial Times, Vogue. Her book, The Multi Hyphen Method, was a manifesto for crafting a career based on your own terms, and it became an immediate Sunday Times bestseller. I'm trying. What year was that written? What year did you write that? That was 2018. I mean, it felt another world. It doesn't it? And I remember reading it at the time and like trying to get it all in my head because it absolutely spoke to where I was at. And now the things feel really different again, which is fascinating. But that's not what we're talking about today. We are talking about her recent book, which I'm going to show to camera, which is called Disconnected, How to Stay Human in an Online World. And again, Emma has written the exact book that I needed to read at this point. You've, again, articulated all that's going on in my head. You kind of put a precursor to it out in the world about a year into the pandemic, six months into pandemic, I think it was an essay or an Instagram post, I was like, Oh wow, her head is going through all the stuff that I'm going through, and then thankfully, you've put it in a book. But before I start, three important questions: How are you really? What star sign are you, and what's your favorite crisp?
1: Oh my God, I love those questions. How am I really? I'm okay because I haven't read the news today so Mm, far so I think it all depends on what my morning has been like and I've been quite chilled out this morning so I'm good but that might change um my star sign is Gemini which I know is a red flag for a lot of people because Gemini's can be quite snaky but I love being a Gemini and my favorite crisp oh my god what is my favorite crisp I would say it's Lays, you know, those ones you get on a European holiday mm. in a really lovely, chilled supermarket. I would say those.
0: And salt and vinegar flavoured
1: or ready salted.
0: But, but the thing is, aren't Lays just walkers? But because they're Lays, they seem so much better. Yes, they're exactly <laughs> the same. But it, I think I
1: associate it with being on a sunny holiday. Oh. So it's not really about the crisps.
0: <laughs> Which is, fra- I mean, but a, a foreign supermarket and on holiday because you've got time to browse you feel like you might just get some different things that you wouldn't get when you're at home and you can you eat a lot of crisps on holiday or I eat a lot of crisps on holiday so many yes <laughs> like a daily event <laughs> yeah oh I mean, it's it's an almost alien concept that um the idea of uh, have you been on a summer holiday or a hot holiday in the last couple of years in the pandemic I managed to sneak away last September
1: to Portugal for my dad's wow. 70th Birthday and it felt really surreal. It felt like a dream. Yeah. I was like, "Why am I in a tin can hurtling through the sky and now landing
0: somewhere else?" It was so weird because it had been so long. Yeah, it's um, <laughs> and it's something we just t- utterly took for granted. And it's yeah, I have. I'm yet to go abroad post pandemic, and I'm excited. But my kids are asking me about flying. Although two of them have flown before, the third hasn't, and yeah they're utterly weirded out by it and I completely understand why (laughs) yeah yeah it's strange isn't it
1: even being in person with people now it's taking me it it takes a bit of getting used to to just be in like a 3d world again which sounds Mm. really dramatic Mm. but genuinely I'm at home most of the time on zoom now so yeah you know
0: (laughs) yeah I mean as I said to I don't know if it was on mic or off mic but um I've done one podcast in the flesh and yeah, because the only people I do see in real life are people I know really well so I know what they look like but when you're trying to see someone brand new and talk to them you're like oh you're a whole human there <laughs> <laughs> so <bizarre>. yes, <Yeah. laughs> so true so we're going to talk about disconnected and the online world and I, I guess to start tell me about this is a really open question sorry tell me about your relationship with the internet you know Well, I I guess we're mainly talking about social media, but what, what are your early memories of that?
1: Well, I was definitely very obsessed with the internet more so than any of my friends. And I know we're all obsessed in many ways now, but when I was growing up, it was the days of like an IT lesson, you know, with the massive white monitors lined up in a room and everyone would sort of be learning how to type or whatever. And I just remember sneaking into the computer room on my lunch breaks and no one else cared. They were all outside playing. And I was just, I was so drawn to it. And I just wanted to be on the internet the whole time. And I think a lot of people who have ended up in careers like ours have that in common, like Mm. that sort of curiosity beyond just using it to get by day to day, a deeper curiosity and just wanting to enter this virtual world and discover it and get to the bottom of it. And I was really obsessed with MySpace and sort of learned how to code very top level coding. But again, I sort of took it one step above most of my friends. And yeah, I was just a real geek. I'm still a massive geek. That's like a part of my personality, I would say. And I wrote my book in 2016 called Control Alt Delete, how I grew up online. And that was, I wrote that when I was 25. So that's still quite young, I think, to be writing a whole book about the internet. So yeah, Disconnected is like me five years on again. Which I found fascinating because my attitude to the internet has changed yet again completely.
0: Yeah, and and also, but you've simultaneously grown as a human in that time, so it's it's hard to know. I mean, I guess this is actually the crux of the book where the where the the line between the two are. But I think what you're talking about is something I definitely relate to. Is that I was personally really into the internet, and I was also fascinated about it, and I still feel in my career I'm both doing it doing the internet and observing it and finding yes. it um, finding it fascinating. And sometimes I think I've been under the illusion that that puts me outside of the bit where I've been sucked into it because I'm very aware of it, but it's not true. <laughs> yeah. You know. No, I really relate to that because
1: I like to think that I'm always being objective about it
0: because I'm writing
1: so much about it. But of course I'm falling for all of the same traps as everyone else. Mm. And feeling really out of control with it, I think, over the last few years and we're really wanting to take a bit of the rain uh on it again and just be very intentional and yeah look at it through through a different lens again
0: because I mean it sounds mad saying this now but I don't know yet about you but I definitely think there was a golden time for me when social media felt truly magic and I did did we know that it had potential pitfalls maybe but there was there was, and it's really important to remember, so much good for for me anyway. I don't know if you realise, so much good stuff. I was just suddenly meeting people who I just was connecting with in an unbelievable way. It gave me glimpses into worlds that I knew nothing about. And yeah, it felt really, really good.
1: Yes, for sure. And I definitely still think that that's the case if you can make it a good place again. And and again, it's like that intentional way of setting up your sort of experience so it works for you but when I was researching Disconnected I found that that was the case in 2008 or 2010 around that time all the studies were saying that the internet was just such a brilliant place for people people Mm. were reconnecting with old school friends through Facebook it was like the era of Friendster as well when people were finding like long lost relatives Mm. it was also an amazing time for education and children were just flourishing with the help of the internet and it was like all of this positive news and I was like wow it really was an amazing heyday of just the, this it, the internet being this amazing tool and and unfortunately now there are just there there's a lot of darkness that's crept in mm. and so many things we need to get a handle on you know when it comes to abuse and it comes to um the way that the platforms aren't really giving us the freedom to protect ourselves
0: mm. and yeah it's just become a bigger beast hasn't it yeah and it's really difficult again to know whether that's your own, I know on a bigger scale that is the case but also I know it from for myself you know it's something that I loved and it gave me all these opportunities and it gave me this multi-hyphen career as like, this you know it felt like everything was possible for a bit and then as you rightly say in the book it it's when the boundaries just suddenly slip and something that you said which is like the line between your real friends and your closer friends and your and I and I have made real friends on the internet like definitely but it 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 became very confusing about uh, yeah where the boundaries were and you then went on to say you know what your tastes were were your tastes completely then informed by things you were consuming and and, and again, my brain would always do, well, that's always been the case. I bought magazines, but this everything was dialed up to the, the fullest extreme. But it, there's that thing where you're just looking at it and going, yeah, I, I really don't know who I am in a, in the middle of this anymore.
1: Yeah, that's exactly why I wrote the book. I literally just woke up one morning and I was like, I don't know what I even like. I don't know what do I want to eat for breakfast. I don't know why I just bought those clothes at that sort of blogger with a discount code mm. sold to me, which is not their fault. It's me no. not knowing what I want to buy. And, and I was confused between like who my friends were. It was really weird. Mm. I went through a real sort of just, yeah, not like a panic mode. I didn't sort of delete everything and just shut it all down, but I just really found myself kind of hiding away and just mm. needing to completely rectify and renegotiate who I was so I could go back into that world, I was like, right, I need to have a reset. It was like, when you take your car in for an MOT, Mm. just like checking everything is working. So um, I felt really disconnected. And and actually, through writing this book, I feel so much more connected again. And that's what I always do with my books. I did it with sabotage. When I wrote about self-sabotage, it was like, right, I'm going to take something that I'm struggling with, and by the end of this book process, I'm going to piece myself back together again,
0: <laughs> which is does also make the book writing, I should imagine, fairly painful because you're it's like self therapy, isn't it? So you're yeah. you, you are living that experience, but that it's really hard to articulate that thing where I felt like I was showing up authentically. That was always my raison d'être, and I, as being who I wanted to be on the internet, but whether you like it or not, the idea of a perceived audience, and this isn't just if, you're, if your career's in social media, anyone who's got anyone, one person following them, whether that's your mum, everything you share is, is, yeah, with an audience in mind, and that is a third voice that we've never had before, and it's utterly bizarre, isn't it? It's
1: really bizarre. It is a whole different self. And yeah. if we're spending all our time online, which I mean, the, the stats in the book are wild. Our screen time through the pandemic has been said to inc- ha- have increased by 76%. I was like, but how Ooh. on earth has it increased by 76% when we were already online the whole time? I mean, I was online the whole time before the pandemic anyway. Most of us were freaked out by our screen time already. Mm. So that's even more so. And so basically we're living in a virtual world and being in the real world is rarer than being online for a lot of people. Mm. So therefore, of course, we're confused with who we are and we're confused with the people watching. And I know that... um, this might just be for me but I have heard it from other people who aren't necessarily in this industry but I actually set up a separate Instagram account for like 100 people mm. who were all coming to my wedding and are like mm. my friends and family and I found it fascinating how different I, I am yeah. on both platforms but what I really liked is that sort of being intentional again like knowing mm. right this is my career and I am mm. performing slightly and mm. that's okay mm. and this is Me, you know, sharing the ins and the outs of my home with the people that know me, and I liked separating it out like that. But that's not the case for everyone.
0: Yeah, I'm wondering. I don't think I could do that because I don't want another reason to go on the app. You know, I don't want. But yeah, then my mum does always say to me, "I would love to see more pictures of the kids." I will ask me mum. I'll send you them. Like you don't need to wait till they appear on a on an app for that. But yeah, it is. it, it, It was the scope creep on it that. Is so bizarre, isn't it? Of of it just happening. I could, without being too extreme, I could feel it in my body. I could feel my nervous system, my jaw lock before I went on. Because, as you say, you just don't know who I was trying to be, and I wasn't trying to be anyone. But that's also tying yourself in knots. But if if you are trying to be authentic, but don't know what that is anymore, you. It leaves you in an impossible place. And it also just means that any reaction you do get, just, I don't know, good or bad, to be honest, is I I almost don't want any reaction from this because mm. I don't feel very comfortable with what I'm putting out.
1: Yeah, and that's why I really liked when the likes could be hidden. That was a m- real turning point for me. Mm. I love being on there now because I did realise that, of course, you react to what's working what's not working, especially yeah. if you're a business. You're like, well, of course I want to know what um, people are engaging with but for me I found that really stifling and it made me feel really sad that every action I was making was being ranked and rated and a popularity contest and Mm. we've all been there I mean I put a wedding photo up when I got married last year in August and I'm not someone that really shares that much about my personal life but I couldn't believe the amount of likes it was like Mm. oh my god this is like a piece of content to be liked and actually Mm. something that I would put up the following day that I really cared about Mm. maybe I don't know something to do with um a non-profit cause that I care about or something like that would get like two likes and it was like oh that's so um disappointing but it's also the world we're in and the algorithms are sort of um, made to push people in different directions but for me I just wanted to take out that like number and just move through the world as I would like to and um and I and I do interview. Um, well, there's a quote in the book from a designer from a design agency, and they're obviously a creative outlet, and they had to remove that sense of how their work was being
0: received because it was the death of creativity for them. Yeah. So yeah, because it, it it yeah, we all know that if you're questioning, you've got to interrogate creative thought, of course. But if you interrogate it based on an, Im, an imagined voice, and this is this is. The, the real craziness of it. As a creative director, I could write work for a perceived audience, but we don't know who our audience is because they don't know who they are showing up as as well. So mm-hmm. you, you're you inherently missing the mark. And if you're someone who wants to try and do well at what they do and you feel like you're inherently missing the mark all the time, it of course it, it becomes this thing that just can ruin your mind to be honest because yeah the non-profit that you really believe in that that you could have poured loads of energy into that post then appears to crash when your sane mind goes no they aren't balanced like that but but you're trying to be successful at your career and it and it's confusing Exactly.
1: And I think, to be honest, something that's kept me very sane, and something I've always thought about through my whole career is, I'm actually not trying to appeal to everyone. I'm not trying to be someone for the masses. And actually, my goal in life is not to become like someone mainstream who is talking to everyone. I like to talk to my community of people who are interested in what I do. And that's not for everyone. As you know, you have people that just love your stuff, and they come in, and you make a difference to those people. And so actually, sometimes you have to remember, I'm not trying to be for everyone, I'm trying mm-hmm. to be for the people that want to be here. And disconnected is a lot about that is about sort of embracing the smaller side of or the micro sort of communities and Mm. how can we get those a thousand true fans again which is Mm. a concept around how you really only need a thousand people to really like what you're doing to make an amazing career and a really great um financial salary at the end of it you don't have to be broadcasting to everyone
0: no and actually when you say it out loud a thousand thousands amazing amazing. amazing. and actually to put it into a real life analogy if there's a whole room of people and you on a night out you wouldn't expect to have meaningful conversations with one of them and and with every one of them I wouldn't want to what I'd like to do is find one really interesting person and lock them in for a massive chat that's like the way I go about my real life and and it's mad that that that's just how we should translate it into our digital lives as well. Mm. Glennon Doyle said on a podcast a
1: few years ago that I quote in the book that she I mean she's now got millions of followers and obviously her book was like endorsed recently by Adele and and who who you know well Um, but she said that she remembers the days where she had 14 followers on Instagram and she Mm. turned up for those 14 followers she says as though they were the most important people and if it only mm-hmm. stayed as 14 and she was like the thing is you don't have to grow an audience people grow it for you those 14 people would go and tell a friend and those extra 14 people would go and tell a friend and that's really how it should be is you bring value to a small number of people mm-hmm. and the rest sort of works by itself and it's so interesting isn't it that we're in this time of like the scammer have you noticed that everything on Netflix is about scams yeah and we're turning like these scammers into like basically celebrities which I find very strange um but yeah Anna Delvey Elizabeth Holmes the tinder swindler like it's all happening Mm, and I think we need to really look at why that has got really out of hand and Mm. almost really push the opposite at the moment like Mm. slow growth be real be be authentic and ride out this weird time
0: <laughs> yeah it's so true it's so true that, that yeah you're right there's a that it, there's no coincidence that that's that's the kind of thing in the zeitgeist at the moment but the, the problem is as i mentioned earlier trying to show up authentically which is a really overused word but one that i still believe in Actually, means not showing up at all quite often because, as you and I both know, like ninety nine percent of my life is extremely mundane. (laughs) Like, not even like more than that. And and that and it's, I originally used to show a lot more of that because I wanted to be sure to show normal life. But then I was like, but I actually don't want to share that with anybody. I want want to have the pleasure of going about my mundane life my own or with the people who who are part of that and then you you get in this weird thing because i don't want to use social media just to as you put in the book show the shiny stuff mm-hmm. but i want to keep the non-shiny stuff for myself so it, it again becomes confusing definitely and it's like setting those boundaries is a huge part of the
1: process that i think every single person on the internet has had to set their own boundaries and it's Mm -hmm. different for everyone. Some people are so happy to share so much more than I ever would. Mm -hmm. And I think also having worked in journalism for a few years, when it was sort of similar, you would be paid to basically mine your personal life for a story. The more personal, the better. If I wrote about a horrific breakup, an editor would be like, great, lovely. Can you write (laughs) that down for me? without checking I was okay um so I sort of grew up in that world as well in my 20s of like blogging and putting yourself out there and getting paid to do that and so yeah I I that didn't work out for me too well and I'm glad that I can obviously write about things that aren't so close to me Mm. but also I think it's awful in many ways that people are expected to be like a 24-7 news site like we are now expected to be an activist now about every single thing going on in the world. Mm. That is just madness to me. The fact that you won't, if you don't speak about something that's happening halfway across the world on the day it's happened, you're a bad person, but you could have, you could have had your phone off or you could feel like, I'm gonna pick this one thing. Mm. I'm gonna spend my life Mm. championing this one cause. Mm. To me, I think that can actually be more of a benefit to the world than than literally posting about every single thing going on.
0: Absolutely. We've also got this weird thing where brands are jumping on every single cause. It's just like, what meeting because all you've done is put that on a brief or put it in a in a PR release. No one believes that you're behind this cause. It's it's so disingenuous. And again, this is all the same stuff, isn't it? If you're someone who's trying to go about in the world, but go about in the digital world with with integrity and and truth spot, that radar goes defunct quite quickly because you're just, I'm yeah, you're you're seeing all this stuff. It's like my instincts are telling me this is not real, but I'm I'm, I'm finding it harder to to decipher what is real and who genuinely cares about what anymore.
1: Exactly, exactly. And I think
0: what really what the book
1: boils down to when when, when we talk about all these topics, that the one singular thread that runs through it is working out who you are, what you want to do Mm -hmm. and really sort of staying in your lane in many ways. Like what do you want to show up for and what focus do you want to put on your life and what focus do you want to put on on sort of the change you're trying to make and and how to show up in the world because I just think we're so overwhelmed Mm. we're in the time of multiple chaos when it comes to decision making and it's like the paralysis of choice Mm. and it's amazing to have so much choice of course like we can go on like 20 million different apps but actually for our human brain Mm. that is really overwhelming and there's research into, into this that if you are trying to make so many different decisions all, all the time. You've got a hundred different things you need to think about every five minutes. Your brain gets stuck in this like bottleneck and it can't make any decisions and you mm. become really stuck and then you end up doing nothing. Mm. And so I think it's about streamlining everything and just like calming down.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's. but I mean, we can all relate to that because we uh, oh uh, yeah, we've all been there or we're there now. And the, the irony of it is the differences you make really are the ones that you make in your real life. Yes, we can do things on a, on a digital platform, but there's a Mother Teresa quote. "Is like, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. Like, mm-hmm. It's how you show up. And actually, that was a bit of the pandemic that was briefly quite magic when community spirit really came into its own. It didn't last all that long, did it? <laughs> mm-hmm. When people were doing nice stuff on a doorstep. But yeah, it's um, the performative nature of any of it. Is, is is such a drain on energy and, and I wonder h- how effective it is.
1: Mm. It's true. And I really wanted to look at the loneliness aspect of all of this because the statistics are crazy. I mean, it was like, I think I've got it written down, but um, 43% of people at the moment say they don't have one friend, one single oh, friend, and that's um, millennials. And sometimes I think we're in this kind of culture of like the squad goal you know like 20 mates all in all in Spain on a hen do i don't have 20 best friends i have mm-hmm. i think i probably have 5 and i used to think that wasn't wasn't very many and when i read the statistics i was like no i've i'm in the m- minority that i have mm-hmm. that many close friends who i could call and you know they would turn up at my house when anything went mm-hmm. wrong in in a heartbeat and i think we really need to flip this this idea of like, I don't have enough to actually, I really do have enough and I have almost over what I need. Mm. Um, There's so much in in that said about how warm relationships are the centre of everything. So if you have even one warm friendship, and I love the phrase warm, because Mm. it just means someone that makes you feel like really cosy and happy, you are more likely to be more financially better off, you're more likely to be successful in your career. So basically, at the heart of everything at the heart of like success or a good life at the very center is your relationships mm. and I feel like that's a thing a lot of people have sort of um put by the wayside of it
0: yeah and and we all know it but you're and I've tried to stop it in myself but you're you're with these real people who make you feel warm and you're aware of your phone in your pocket um and and that's you know I'm not being holier than thou I definitely do that but we're we're really missing a trick if we're focusing on external people that 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 aren't our warm people Mm. but you have to be because it's very easy to blame the internet but the only person who is responsible for that is yourself. Yes the accountability thing is huge it's Mm. like
1: you know, if we are spending hours and hours and hours numbing ourselves by our phone with our phones, it's the same as numbing ourselves with other substances. Really, if you know, if I was drinking like, loads of wine every night, which I did do in the pandemic, to be honest, I was like, Oh, okay, I'm using something to escape. What's the problem? What's at the root Mm. of this problem. And now with my phone, I can really tell if I'm going into that like scrolling mode, and where I'm just spending hours scrolling, I know something's wrong. And sometimes you do have to spot that and Mm. um, that's not to say it's like a blame thing of like you can't handle life and all the rest of it. Not at all. There's so many reasons for us to be feeling this way. But I think it does. Yeah, it does come from the individual to to spot when you're sort of um, yeah, using these things to escape.
0: I think it's really um, useful to uh, exactly like with alcohol or chocolate or shopping or whatever your your numbing agent is with social media. I'm I'm getting better. I often have it off my phone in in the weekend, and if if I didn't do that, I wouldn't know how I felt in the times when I don't have it on there. And it, it takes 24 hours, and and I I can literally, as I said, I can feel my nervous system like calm. Mm. But what's it but, like when you go back on after the weekend? Well, I think. The important shift that's happened to me is I come off at the weekend, I come off for holidays, I try to be off in the evenings, you know, as per a working day. And therefore, when I do show up, I feel like I've got the capacity for it. You know, I've opted in and therefore I've I've got the resilience for mm-hmm. it, which sounds like an extreme word. But, you, I mean, it's of course, you have to be in the right headspace to be a public version of yourself in whatever form that is. Mm-hmm. But... It's amazing in that bit where you do delete it that you you go to check, you go to for it, and and I have to kind of break the habit of doing it, and you have to lean into that. Oh, I could just put it back on just to have a quick look at that thing that I've saved, or just to see that. But you have to go no, walk away from it, and it's self-discipline, isn't it?
1: Yeah, the notifications thing as well is wild when you when you actually turn them off because I found before I did, I'd be writing away, doing my books, trying to be creative because you know to write some of the stuff i'm doing at the moment i need 3 to 4 hours uninterrupted that's that's sort of how how it's getting done at the moment which is a long time to not be checking my phone but i've worked my way up to it but i would have my phone just there and i and i would just notice like the little notification from like uber eats or whatever being like are you hungry tonight blah blah, blah. <laughs> and like literally i would just even just like going to it to turn that notification off i'm already out of my work mm. and then it takes 15 minutes well, apparently, for our brains to get back into a task we were doing. So it's like, that is so irritating. And I've lived like that for so long Mm. um, until I realized, yeah, turn them all off. (laughs) We took it all.
0: We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. yeah and the problem is and then it's not only that it's that residual oh, actually yeah maybe I am hungry now and, and <laughs> exactly. we're already we're already distracted with our normal stuff you know <laughs> suddenly plucking my eyebrows when I need to be hitting a deadline it's just like you could put the tweezers down but yeah God. and that that uh documentary the social dilemma when that came
1: out because that mm. only came out I think like early 2020 mm. I feel like that changed a lot of people's perspective and I'm so glad it did but it didn't really leave us with many solutions it was very scaremongering which I think Mm. is good in a way because it was like oh my god like even the stuff around how in on many apps that have like a like button or have a comment section the app will release the likes and the comments more slowly so that you're spending more time checking them so even that is a very very clever way to keep you on the app Mm -hmm. where really They could just do it in real time, but they're not. They're they're like, oh, we've got another like 10 minutes later, just so you go back. Um, So I found that really good to wise up to it and be like, okay, it's like a slot machine. I'm in Las Mm. Vegas. They're wanting to keep me on. I'm gambling here kind of thing. Mm. Um, But yeah, I really wanted to do the book to be like, right, we know it's scary. But what do we do
0: next? (laughs) Do you feel like now you have this knowledge, are you better able to put it into practice? Do you feel like things have shifted for you? Yes, definitely.
1: I I think without sounding too dramatic, all we have is our time on this planet. Mm. Life is short, shorter than we think for a lot of people. Um, our phones are robbing us of our time. Mm. And that's fine if you enjoy it. I love going on my phone when, I, when I've ring-fenced, mm. right, I need to do my emails or... I need to earn money or I need Mm. to catch up with my friends. Cool. That's great. I'll I'll be on the internet. It's an amazing tool. What I don't like is when you feel really out of control and you think, where have those four hours gone? Mm. Because we've all been there Mm. where you look up and you're like, oh, I'm late for a meeting or Mm. it's that sort of glazed over. um, Yeah. bit feeling lost feeling I'm, I'm really trying to get a handle on. And I think most people want to, because there's so much at the moment post pandemic Around people wanting more hobbies, people wanting to quit their job, people wanting to go travelling. Like we're, we I think we're, we're in this place now. Post, well, not post pandemic. We're still in it, but we're coming mm. out of it. Where we want to spend our time better, mm. and so I think we need to get a handle on how we're spending our time online. First of all,
0: it's so interesting with the pandemic. Obviously, most of it is because of COVID and the ramifications of that. But I wonder whether there's so much of the lows are hand in hand with the excessive screen time it's very difficult to know isn't it
1: yeah well I found the zooms really difficult I think a lot of people did it was really I felt fatigue zoom fatigue was a thing Mm. and I remember psychologists saying that being on zoom with someone is actually quite depressing because you can't help but feel like I should be in person with you Mm. when I was doing those family quizzes I actually would rather (gasps) have not done them because it was just a reminder of how depressing it was it was like (laughs) The Zooms are a big <laughs> elephant in the room that we're on Zoom because a pandemic is happening. Yeah, And so, uh, yeah, I found those really, really tricky. And I really brought back the old fashioned phone call, mm. go for a walk, mm. get on the phone, have a two hour chat with my best friend like we used to do when we like came home from school. Yeah, <laughs> it gorgeous. was lovely. So, yeah, it's really leaning into how you feel as well. Like, did that make me feel good? OK, great. I'll do that again. Did that make me feel bad? Might not do that as much.
0: It's really funny. One of my brothers opted out of the family quizzes quite very quickly. <laughs> and we are all really affronted. We were, because it's like yeah. the only time we got to see each other. But fair play to him. He, he was like, Yeah, I am not enjoying this. I'm out. Do you think <laughs> this is a complete aside? I wonder whether globally people reacted with quizzes or whether that was a really British <laughs> British coping strategy.
1: I mean, it was 100% British, wasn't it? I reckon. I mean, but then to be fair, I love that, I love us. Like in collective us for trying that hard <laughs> to connect with each other again, and it's like, oh in great uh tragedy, what do we do? We turn to quizzes it's quite quite sweet
0: it's, it's really, really really sweet and it and it was so universal and people were were sharing each other's quizzes. like I haven't done a quiz with my family for, I mean maybe ever, but it's yeah, just like, yeah it it was very precious, but yeah it did it did it did worth it, didn't it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but I think that's why boundaries seems to be the buzzword of mm. the last few years because, and, and really I think it's so important because when you're just on a screen or you're on Zoom, the boundaries are so blurred, aren't they? Mm. Like, how do you leave a Zoom Zoom, politely? I feel like we needed to learn a new etiquette to be like, Mm. oh no, my battery is going on my laptop, I've got to go. You know, you can't just like slip away as easily as you think. And also I think setting boundaries of your colleagues, like putting out an out of office and being like, I'm not Mm. available. And I love your out of office, by the way, that inspired me when I first saw it Um, to just have a little bit of a delay and getting back to people because you can't always be on. But setting boundaries of your family
0: is really hard Mm. that's the tricky one for me Mm. anyway yeah and and what goes where and what's appropriate and and actually I mean this is a bigger conversation but boundaries about information that's being shared you know there was a real time in the height of the pandemic when things off the internet news about it about Covid are just being pinged here and everywhere or my mum someone from the village said this and suddenly that's in my whatsapp and just that real feeling of I I just don't need any more internal communication <laughs> communication coming at me. Thank you. Yeah, so true. But it's interesting at the beginning of the podcast. You said I'm doing okay because I haven't checked the news today, and it's yeah. um it's really important bit of self care, isn't it? Of of choosing when you're ready to consume that.
1: Yeah, it's really hard boundary I think between being informed and being engaged and caring about the world and like Mm. being a good citizen Mm. showing up for things and your mental health I'm a firm believer that well you're no use to anyone if your mental health's gone so Mm. actually don't ever feel bad about protecting your mental health because without that you can't even show up in any way for anyone really so I do think that you can be informed and you don't have to be watching it 24 7 I think um, I know a lot of people, even in my own family, who sit and watch the news like a lot, a lot of the day. I mean, they're retired, so maybe that's why. Yeah, but okay. not know? good for you at all that we were not designed as human beings to know what everyone is doing at all times around the world. Um, like not that long ago, we would just be wandering around without a phone and just go and meet up with someone down the local pub and you would find out through word of mouth what went on in like a neighboring Neighborhood, or if so, if there was a fire and you needed to go and help, you know, it sounds really basic, but it's actually wild the amount of information we see every every five seconds. So, I mean, I interviewed Mo Gaudat I don't know if you've interviewed him before, but he is an amazing ex Google kind of amazing geeky but incredible man. And he's he he doesn't watch the news. He's like, I will find out what's really important in other ways it mm. will find me there mm. is no way you can escape the big big news of the world mm. um so yeah i'm sure a lot of people have opinions on that that you know maybe he he's opting out but he likes to think that if he is happier in the world he will do better work
0: i, I feel like he's definitely onto something because i'm thinking in the mm. old days you know you'd you'd buy a paper and you read it on the commute and then you kind of finish the morning news. And then if you're feeling crazy, you'd read the Evening Standard on the way home. It's like those were the two bits of like news journalism you'd read twice. Yeah. And I, th- I thought I was doing a good job if I read the news at the end of the day, not like a continual, a continual stream. And again, when we say consume, I think it's very important. You're then not in a place where you can digest it, it's just sitting on the top. The bits of your brain whereas if you sit down and try and take it in maybe try and understand things maybe try and scrutinize things you know because of course we can't apply the, the scrutinizing part of our brain all day every day whilst also trying to keep up with our lives it's so much better to consume in small amount and do so in a useful manner
1: yeah exactly I mean it's like with that whatsapp group and you being suddenly forwarded something it's like, do do we need to know no. sometimes? Like, do we need to know? We need to know about big, of course, big scale things and be informed. But the smaller like news stories, I just feel like maybe we're not meant to know what every single person is going through every five seconds. And it's and it's why Twitter is so overwhelming. And I am starting to fall out of love with it. I've always been someone who would always defend Twitter for being like somewhere the way writers go and hang out. But Oh, my God, it's got too much.
0: It's it's overwhelming. I'm also thinking I uh, did a lovely podcast with a girl called The Chief Shepherdess. Do you follow her? No, but I saw the clip on your Instagram. Oh, she's she's just gorgeous. She was a Soho hairdresser and is now a shepherdess. And she said the farming industry often have it laddered at them that they're really out of touch. And she was just like, we're just too tired and busy. <laughs> we're just too busy farming to be in touch I was like do you know what hats off to you yeah you're not scrolling the internet you're like putting a fence post up from morning till night and then you go to bed and you do it again I was like we we really um love to feel like we're on the on the zeitgeist with things but that means that you've got to be so tapped into the world in order to be that
1: It's true. And you know, there's so many studies to do with like boredom, and just roaming around thinking and not being connected leads to some of the greatest innovations in the world. You know, those light bulb moments of like the Einstein era of like, he's having a bath, and he suddenly thinks like this huge thought that changes the world. We need those times away to just not be connected and not know what people
0: are up to. And, and I just don't think we get those as much at all and but it's why we don't because we we know i know it in myself and i'm getting better at doing it but i have to try and persuade myself to do it it's like go on take a holiday i took i came off the internet totally for a week over in august last year And it felt like a huge thing. And then when you do it, you're like, oh, no, this is absolutely fine. It's that classic of when you used to come back from holiday and go to the answer machine message. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. And there'd be like one new message. And you come back on the internet after a hiatus. like, Oh, yeah nobody cares yeah no one cares I find that very freeing that
1: no <laughs> one cares you're like oh my god they miss me so much it's like nope they didn't notice that's okay and yeah. I think that taps into like our deep FOMO basically that yeah no one like really cares what we're up to um but I used to do that I used to leave my Nokia in a drawer when I went like on a family holiday for two weeks and I'd come back and I'd turn on the phone and be like oh my god all my text messages are going to come in not one yeah. <laughs>
0: people are doing their life exactly yeah I I really because the the default is for people to be worried about the next generation and you know what I'm very aware of the amount of screen time my kids have but I can't help but think they will learn to navigate it better than us because we're learning it firsthand they're going they will learn from our mistakes and if it's if it's it's not this new news for them. It it already is their constant. So I hope that they will, yeah, just see it in a bit more context than we have done.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think they're way more switched on than anyone gives them credit for. Yeah. I think a lot of people like speaking on behalf of young people. Yeah. But actually, when you speak to young people, when you actually speak to them one-on-one, it's like, oh, you, you're you kind of in on, on all of it. And actually, probably have better boundaries than a lot of adults Um, because they're sort of, they are they've grown up with it more so like when I look at the baby boomer generation not to generalize but because they didn't have it all through their lives and now they're suddenly like oh my god this ipad is amazing I'm like I can see that they're probably more obsessed than a lot of (laughs) sorry I that sounds really all I mean is it's still
0: kind of a shiny new toy
1: to a lot of people um, and it's
0: yeah, and actually, you know, when you, our parents' generation shares something on Facebook, and you're like, "Oh, that is a, like a faux pas. That is not you've you've shared that wrong." That feeling that we get, um, which is really mean. I mean, who shares things on Facebook? I think who's on Facebook? <laughs> but um, I think uh, the the next generation will look and go, "Oh yeah, oh you, you you really you're talking to your phone all the time." Well, apparently, there's a real millennial versus the next generation they don't do selfies with their cat with their camera above them it's all below and that really shows you you how old you are by that oh
1: wow Oh my yeah. god. Well, that's because they're so youthful and lovely looking that they don't they don't With mind about the all the double yet. double chins. No. no, but that's that's really interesting. There's so many little niche things around that, around the Snapchat culture and stuff that I just find fascinating. And my like my nephew knows exactly when he wants to turn on his location so that he can show his friends like he's in London for the weekend or whatever, and then he'll turn it off. And wow. and actually there are so many people I think who would be like not knowing their location was on and all the safety measures. Mm. I think I do think that Yeah, Gen Z are protecting themselves and they delete their content so much more, don't they? And they don't really leave a trace of their old stuff. And I don't know, I find it fascinating. And also, I don't really ever worry about the whole like, oh, they're glued to their phones thing. Because if you look at every single generation, most generations, Mm. most of us were sort of doing something over Mm. and over again growing up. Like for me, it was watching Sabrina the Teenage Witch back to back, an omnibus for literally 10 hours straight i was glued to the tv that's exactly the same isn't it yeah. than someone someone being glued to an ipad yeah i
0: remember and i everyone, turned out okay <laughs> yeah you're doing okay you've got to, you're holding it down got... but I, but i remember my parents been very worried about mtv mtv was the uh, <laughs> was going to ruin all of our minds and maybe in some ways it did but but it definitely yeah we've we've all wiggled we will wiggle <laughs> through it all right. But I also think actually looking at TikTok, there's something really amazing that's happened there. They aren't sharing their Monday; They they have kept things private. It is a much more creative outlet now than Instagram. It is it is so knowingly performative that it, it feels like they've preserved something in in that sense. You know, they really are, yeah, putting on a show. Whereas they must they'll end up thinking, why on earth would you be talking as you're going around the supermarket? You're going around yeah the now that's really interesting actually because
1: if you think about it don't we all do that growing up like dance yeah, routines exactly videoing thing. our holiday with like an old school camcorder there's all sorts of that stuff in my like home videos like it's really fun and it's really creative so actually uh, that really excites me because that's just so many people being creative and that's what we need and that is the future is creativity especially with AI and robots and all of that stuff. Um, being a creative person who can make things, that's brilliant. That's like the most transferable skill ever.
0: And I think actually that is the same thing when we're talking about the golden age, when when social media felt more comfortable is because we were much more in that creative zone then, I suppose, rather than the feeling of obligation. It just felt like there was loads of tools at your disposal. Um, so maybe, yeah, that is where the good part... It, it all ladders back to being able to as you said, choose when you you use the internet and social media rather than it choosing to take over your life.
1: Yeah, exactly. And you know, that this is why these conversations are so interesting and so fun, because I didn't write the book to be like, here's everything I know. And I have the answers. Obviously, I do not. It's more, let's talk about this
0: stuff. We're all going through it. And
1: we can all learn from each other.
0: Yeah, because I think when do you know the bit that I'm talking about that you you put something on social media? Well, I don't know if you would have been writing the book, but you talked about like wanting to disconnect.
1: Was Mm. it on your blog? Yeah, I'm always testing the water, and that's actually something that I do love about the internet. And I suppose Mm. for me, I'm never someone that's like, "Hi guys, what do you want to see more of?" Because to me, that's saying. I'm at your beck and call and I will create what you want me to create. Mm. And that's never been what I'm about. I just think I'm doing my thing over here. Mm. Do you want to be involved? (laughs) Well, you know, obviously there's a middle ground to that. But I do love testing the water and being like, is this something you find interesting? Mm. And that's how my novel Olive was born. I put out a tweet years ago being like, I really want to do something around child-free women and what that looks like. And I got hundreds of replies. Mm. And that's when you know, oh, I've really... I'm onto something here. And that's when a community of people can actually go tell you to go away and do it. And you get that feeling of validation. It's lovely.
0: Oh, That's the best bit. But also the crucial bit for you to do that testing the water thing is when you're really in tune with your instincts. You know, you can only get to that, those little moments when you're like, huh there's something I can feel in myself that I feel like we might be more than myself and I'm going to share it but you could yeah if you're trying to answer the what do you want question you're not in yourself and you're not in your instincts and you can't get to those lovely little mm. yes yeah, sparkly moments where are like this is something it's so true and don't you feel that when you are so clear
1: on what you're doing comparison kind of goes away as well mm. because it's really a kind of more, more the merrier, everyone's doing their thing, mm-hmm. everyone's using the internet to do something that they love. Mm-hmm. And that's what I really love about it. And then you're like, oh, we've all got, you can, everyone can have their thing. And there's yeah. no sort of sense of scarcity. There's no sense of like competition, really. And it's just,
0: I love that. Yeah, you're right. I mean, our mutual friend, Lucy Sheridan, who's the queen of, um, Comparison, in fact, who I came across via your podcast is comparison is such a red flag if if you 're feeling envious of someone, that means something is off in, off in yourself because, as you say, mm-hmm. even if someone went and did a, a very similar version of what I was doing, they 'd still be doing it in their way, and they can find their people, and it needs needn't be any skin off my nose, but you have to be very grounded in yourself at that point,
1: yeah, and it takes a long time, I think, to get there because. I feel really content and happy in myself at the moment, but I just know that it's taken quite a lot of work to and get And it might there. change. And it might change. <laughs> Sadly. <laughs> Fingers crossed it doesn't, but yeah, no. it's um, it's an ongoing process. And I think there's a lot of work that you have to do to get there. It doesn't just happen overnight. It's like homework, like trying to be okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, but I, and it really, really doesn't happen online. I think you can learn a lot online, but for, yeah, the bits when I put myself back together uh very 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 far offline I think Mm. yeah that's really really interesting really important yeah oh it's been so fascinating I'm really I really want to fast forward to what the next book in five years will be and it will be like oh yeah Emma's got it she's uh, she's worked out this this next transition that we're all going through it's fascinating isn't it and I really love that
1: though that especially doing this sort of job, you'd never really know what you're going to be doing. You know, that whole interview question of like, where do you see yourself in five years? It's like, who knows? But I know that I
0: will probably have something to say. (laughs) Yeah. I just hope that I'm sane. That's all I ever think. I was like, I hope I'm just in a good place. Have you gone back and read um, Control Out, Delete or um, Multi-Hyphen Method?
1: Oh my gosh, no. I actually stumbled across an article in The Times that I did around that book five years Ah. ago. And it's very cringy. Yeah. Like I was really cringing. But I also read this quote recently. I think it's by Adam Grant that if you don't cringe at your past mm-hmm. self, you haven't grown. And I really stick to that mm-hmm. because there's this feeling of cringing out at your past self that only you will really fully cringe at, hopefully. But it's just amazing how much can change and how much you can change as a person. And I think sometimes we try and like set in stone who we are and we try and build this personal brand of like, this is who I am. And it's like, we're always changing and it's okay.
0: Well, it's that whole thing that we see when someone says, oh, you've changed as an insult. It's like, yeah, thank goodness. Thank yeah, goodness thank God, couldn't, couldn't be going around. I mean, I'd like to have a bit of like the 25-year-old me and me because she had a bit of a more unbridled confidence because she, she didn't really know what it was about. But yeah, it's unbelievable. Re- My worst is reading old CVs. And what I thought was the thing that I wanted to sell myself. is like, no, if you just talked about, the actual bit that is you not what you thought someone wanted to hear Mm -hmm. but you 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 can't know until you know it can you
1: yeah I mean I'm I'm really enjoying at the moment seeing the trend of people having like a closed community like Patreon Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. or something where it's like you know what you can pay a really small amount to be part of this community which is someone's job to create and and show up Mm -hmm. And everyone just wants to be there. And the comment section is lovely and everyone's getting on and everyone just like finds it a really happy, happy little corner of the internet. So I do wonder if we are going to start sadly, but not, maybe not sadly, maybe it's a good thing that we'll start doing that, but then you sort of might end up with echo chambers Mm. of just talking to similar people. So I find it all fascinating and Mm. I think we're, um, a lot's going to change over the next few years, Mm. especially in the media industry. Mm. But as long as we turn up and show up as ourselves, trying to be good people trying to make a good amount of change trying to stay sane I
0: think we're going to be okay I think so too and I think there's always a good place for memes on the internet whenever I think the, the internet is over and then I see a meme I'm like no no this single image has articulated everything I've thought in a much cleverer yeah. way then I, I well, do love that about like the British <laughs>
1: British people it's like literally five seconds later something is a joke already someone's <laughs> cracked it I'm
0: like oh my god yeah we nailed it thank you so much emma it's been it's been it feels kind of quite a full circle thing for some reason it's quite important yeah i feel really grateful for this conversation basically thank you so much i feel grateful for you inviting me on and talking to you about it and yeah it's like a bit therapeutic isn't it talking to each other about this stuff (laughs) you know in old pre-pandemic life we did used to bump into each other at things and you'd be one of those people who are always kind of on the similar wavelength and then You know, I don't really want to go to loads of social stuff anymore, but because, yeah, I'm more of an introvert, but there was benefit to those things somewhere along the line as well.
1: Yeah. Well, we'll have to just sneak off for a coffee
0: in a quiet place
1: (laughs) instead of a party. And not take pictures in front of a balloon
0: wall. Um, I always (laughs) have two questions before I end. Um, Where can people find you? And is there anything you want to shout about? Which there is. Oh, that's a, a good one. Um...
1: I would say my website is is the place just because everything's on there um my books my skillshare classes and my social media stuff on um, my newsletter which is like my favorite platform at the moment um for all the reasons we discussed mm. it's like a nice little little cozy place for me there and what can I shout about? Um, Oh, I released my first uh, journal notebook um, that came out end of last year. And it's full of writing prompts for anyone that has a bit of writer's block. um, Because I had full writer's block in the pandemic when, you know, when it was all very sad and, Mm. you know, just bleak. Um, So that got me back on my feet. So I wanted to put them into a journal. So that's available now
0: for anyone interested. Great. I'm going to go and look at that. I love a journal. I love it? a journal. Yeah, I'm not very really good at sticking with them, but I like I want to be someone who journals. Do you journal regularly?
1: Yes, I do. Um I, I really got back into morning pages, the Julia mm-hmm. Cameron uh technique of waking up and just basically just writing down all the crap that's in your head. You mm. don't read them back, you just put it all
0: down and then you kind of get on with your day. And it's really good. Really recommend really? it. Oh, I I feel like a lot of people who I respect say that I do this. So maybe mm maybe it's annoying look- though it's an annoying thing to say especially if you have kids and you've got busy life it's yeah. like oh just just journal when,
1: when you wake up it's like oh god
0: it's difficult I know what would happen I've got a, I've got my daughter really really likes things like journals and pens so I'd get a nice one for myself and then it would be hers and <laughs> that would be annoying I'd get it because I like journals and pens um last question if you could have an honest conversation with one person who would it be and what would you say oh my god that's, that's an amazing one. question um
1: Oh my god! What would I? Who would it be, Chloe? That's so
0: hard. Don't overthink it. I've had some really unbelievably unusual answers to this. <laughs> they can be dead, alive. It can be. I'm not going to prompt you too much, otherwise it was it's not your real answer. Yeah.
1: I mean, can I, ju- I? I guess this is a bit of a cheesy one, but I'd probably say like my nan, oh. um, just because she died actually quite young. Looking back, um. And I'd like, there's loads of questions I'd like to ask her about her life.
0: If I've just um, also recorded today a podcast with um, Julia Sam, Samuel about family and multi-generational trends. Um, the older I get, the more I, I want to know my both my grannies actually, who are now both dead as well, and mm. how whether I embody much of them, which I suspect I do a bit. And it's kind yeah. of amazing.
1: It is amazing. It is amazing. And um, just quickly, just something that I found recently that your listeners might like. There's a company that can actually kind of interview your fam- a family member for you and turn it into like a Desert Island Discs audio of their story that you can save forever. And I was like, oh my God, I would love to have done that then, But yeah.
0: it didn't exist back then. <laughs> no, it's a gorgeous idea, isn't it? I really enjoyed that conversation and I've really, really enjoyed Emma's book, At A because it's just given me a, re- a point to reflect on my own use of the internet. And she's put into words a journey that I'm sure lots of people listening to will relate to about how, how we've been sucked into social media. And she does so in a way that doesn't default to the narrative of it's terrible and it's ruining our minds, because it's not. There's some really, really brilliant things. But I can't speak for everyone else, but in myself, I know that... The balance needs to shift and I need to find a new way through it. And yeah, Emma's book and the opportunity to reflect on that has definitely helped shift me towards that. And that's a wrap. That's another episode of but why done. Thank you so much for listening. Please do rate and review and subscribe and the irony when we've just been talking about social media, if if you listen to an episode and it's um rings bells, hits a nerve, makes you think, please do share it online because it makes a huge difference and hopefully gets more people listening. And if you want to get in touch, the email is buttwhite at I am now off to do some laser hair removal. don't know if anyone's had that done. I'm on my second appointment, having my pits and bikini line done, which is quite a weird experience because to do the bikini line, You wear a mask because of covid you wear goggles because of laser but then you're naked apart from everything else although i kept my socks on last time so it it feels quite a bizarre experience but i've been very impressed so far um, with the results so i'm excited to get that done wishing you a lovely day and look forward to catching up with you later